grocery store. What? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Hello and welcome to the Dream Team Professor podcast. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the top players to target in February. So we're actually going to start off with fixtures. And I think the best place to start is both with fixture volume and with fixture difficulty. Um, so I've got a display on screen here. Um, this is the fixture grid from Fantasy Football Stuff. The website is ffstuff.co.uk. And you can get Mike on Twitter at FFStuff3. Um, I find it's a really easy way to look at the fixtures. And they also have a few good features as well, like um, looking at player data. Um, you can look at your mini league rivals. There's some really helpful stuff there. But I'm focusing on the fixture grid here first. Because I think this is the best way at looking at the layout for the following month. So I've set this up so you can look at... Um, the fixtures coming up from the start of February all the way through to the end. Um, and then this little bit here just shows you how many fixtures each team will have. Um, February is quite a difficult one because there's a lot of cup games and European fixtures and rearranged fixtures. So these are a little bit fluid and they can change throughout the month depending on how the cup games go. But this is the best place to start. Um, so I'm going to highlight the teams with the best fixture volume first. Um, so Manchester United play eight games in February. You have Manchester City with seven. Spurs and Leeds have six. Then you have quite a few teams on five. You have Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal from sort of the traditional big six. Then you've got Brighton, Fulham, Southampton, West Ham and Leicester all on five. Um, and then pretty much all the rest of the teams are on four and that includes Newcastle. I'm going to highlight them because they've been really quite popular throughout Dream Team so far, especially their back line. But now is the time where it gets a little bit difficult to make a decision because you've got their back line that's doing really well. Um, but they've only got four games, whereas versus like a Manchester United, Man United have potentially double the fixtures with eight games this month. So it's going to be a real hard decision to make. Um, so that's why I find this is the best place to start for this episode. So you can see this on the grid here um, and it's colour coded as well for fixture difficulty too. Um, I tend to like to figure this part out myself because it does change depending on form. Um, obviously teams like Liverpool at the minute, the fixtures can look good but they're not in good form so it's quite hard to decide. Um, how you think these games are going to go. So I like to decide on that part myself. One thing to add when it comes to this fixture grid and changes, um, you had Newcastle who have now gone through to the EFL Cup final, but you've got Manchester United who are playing this evening as well. Um, so there will be a few changes. This will gradually update on the um, FF Stuff website, but obviously I can't update my grid at this time. But around the sort of time of the, I think it's the 26th of February, I think that's a Sunday, that's when the EFL Cup final is going to take place. So um, Man United and Newcastle's game is going to be pro uh, postponed and then replaced with that Carabao Cup fixture. So another good feature of this grid is you can go through and tick the teams um, and then sort of narrow down the fixture grid to the teams that you want to see. Um, so I've gone and ticked the teams that I think have the players on Dream Team that are most likely to be chosen. People like Bournemouth, no offence to them, I'm not going to be picking any Bournemouth players in my team, for example, so I've ruled them out of it. Um, so I've gone with Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, 
Tottenham, Arsenal. I've put Leeds in there just because they have six fixtures, which is a lot of games. I'm still not convinced that I'd bring any myself, but I think it needs to be put in there. Uh, West Ham have got five. Brighton have got five, who are in really, really good form. Um, Southampton with five games as well, and then Newcastle with just the four. And then in this bottom right corner as well, I've just added this in here for you to see. It makes it a little bit easier when you're planning. You've got the FA Cup draw here as well. So there's still some um, some of the games still to be decided who's going to be playing who. Like Tottenham could be playing Sheffield United or Wrexham. So I've just put the FA Cup draw in that bottom right corner for you to have a look at as well. Um, but in terms of fixture volume then, um, so really it's Man City and Man United are the two best that you're going to want to choose from. Um, I think you'll be at a real advantage if you can try and get most players in your team from these two sides because you're just going to get more opportunity to score points so man united with eight and manchester city with seven and then of course you've got the ones with six so you've got tottenham hotspur leeds who again i don't think you really want to be picking leeds players you have liverpool chelsea arsenal west ham brighton and southampton on five and then i mentioned previously newcastle with just the four games although they do look like quite good games to target um, so that's the volume there. Um, so obviously the idea of that is you're going to want to pick the teams with the most games. Um, but then you've got the fixture difficulty comes into it as well, because having a lot of fixtures is not always the best way to go. In this example with um, potentially Leeds, they've got two games against Manchester United in there. So you do kind of have to bear that in mind. But Manchester City and Man United, I'm going to say that they're the two best teams to target because they're strong teams. They're in fairly good form. And the fixtures are pretty good as well. So Man United, um, ignore that forest that's taking place today. But they've got Crystal Palace, Leeds, Leeds again. They've got Barcelona. They've got Leicester. They've got Barcelona in the second leg. They've got Brentford. And then they've got West Ham. So quite a good run of games there, apart from the two Barcelona games. And then Manchester City have got seven. They've got Tottenham Hotspur. They've got Villa. They've got Arsenal, which is going to be a really tough game. Then they've got Forest, RB Leipzig, Bournemouth, and I kept thinking this is Brighton, but it's not. It's Bristol in the uh, FA Cup. So for both fixture volume and fixture difficulty, I think these two are the two teams that we're going to want to be targeting the most. But then I've ranked the sort of best of the rest in terms of my opinion, um, how appealing they are and what the difficulty of the games is. So I think Arsenal probably have the best fixtures apart from Man City and Man United. So Arsenal face Everton away, Brentford at home, Man City at home. They face Aston Villa away and then Leicester away. So apart from that Manchester City game, I think that's really quite a good run. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about that Everton fixture now. Obviously, Everton away would have been a good fixture, but now Dyche is in for Everton. They've got the new manager bounce. It's at Everton. Um, I think that game's going to be a lot tougher than it would have been um, if it was played a couple of weeks ago. But if you want to win the league, you still have to beat Everton. So I think that Arsenal still have a pretty good run there and they are in really good form. Then I'm going to go Tottenham Hotspur. Um, so they have six games. So they've got the extra game over Arsenal, um, but they face Man City at home. They've got Leicester away. They've got AC Milan in the Champions League. They've got West Ham at home. Chelsea at home and then they've got that FA Cup game that's to be confirmed um, so I think with six fixtures that is a good run they do face City but then so do Arsenal um, and then out of the teams with the Champions League fixtures I think AC Milan's a pretty good tie to have um, 
Obviously, the City and Chelsea games are going to be fairly difficult, but AC Milan are not in very good form at the minute. So I think that's a pretty good run to target for Spurs. Um, then Chelsea, I'm going to go with them. Um, obviously, they've just spent a ton of money in the uh, January transfer window. Um, so it might be a little bit of an unsettled squad to start with, but their run is Fulham at home, West Ham away. They've got Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. They face Southampton at home and then Tottenham away. Then I'm going to go with Liverpool in sort of fourth um, in this sort of tier that I've made up. Um, obviously, Liverpool really aren't in good form at the minute. If you'd have looked at this run of fixtures, you probably would have said it was a really good one to target. But that would be if they were playing their best. Obviously, they can still turn it on at any minute. But yeah, you can only work with what you've got at the minute and they aren't looking great. So their fixture run is Wolves away, Everton at home, Newcastle away. Real Madrid um, in the Champions League, which I, I fear for Liverpool in that one. And then they've got Crystal Palace away. So ideally, this does look like a good run, but Wolves have just caused Liverpool quite a few problems in the cup. That derby game against Everton, again, is probably going to be a lot harder than it would have been um, now they've got Sean Dyche. Newcastle away is going to be a tough game. Real Madrid is a tough game. Crystal Palace is... Not terrible, but it's away from home as well. So I'm going to rank Liverpool in fourth. If they were in better form, I think they'd be higher up. But at the minute, I'm not feeling too confident about them. And then in fifth, I think it's a bit of a toss-up really between Brighton and Newcastle. I think they're both similar for rankings on difficulty. But Newcastle's defence will be their strong point in this run. And I think Brighton's attack will be the strong point. So we'll start with Newcastle. Um, so they've got West Ham. At home, they've got Bournemouth away, they've got Liverpool at home, and then they've got Brighton at home. And obviously there's going to be that Carabao Cup final again, which probably is going to be against Manchester United. So that might be that will be thrown in there and they might have potentially five fixtures, I think. And then for Brighton, um, so they've got Bournemouth at home, which looks like a good fixture on paper. Crystal Palace away looks okay. Fulham at home as well, so three good fixtures there. Then Newcastle away, that will be a pretty tough one. And then they face Stoke away in the FA Cup. So that's a pretty good run for Brighton at the minute. And they're scoring a lot of goals. So like I said, I think Brighton have the potential to score quite a lot of goals in that run. And then Newcastle, if you look at it, West Ham at home. I mean, West Ham aren't scoring a lot of goals at the minute. You've got Bournemouth away, which looks like a winnable fixture for Newcastle. But then the fixtures start to turn a bit tougher. So you've got Liverpool at home. Um, obviously not in great form, but they're still always dangerous. You've got Brighton at home. Brighton are going to be a tough challenge for Newcastle. And then it falls outside of um, February, but I'm pretty sure the next game after that is Man City potentially for Newcastle. So they have got a tough run um, towards the sort of middle to the end of February. So that's my quick summary on the fixtures, the difficulty and the volume. I would keep checking... Um, both on the Dream Team app, but also on ffstuff.co.uk. Um, they keep updating this fixture ticker uh, as the games are announced. So keep an eye on that one. Um, but now we're going to go on to the top players to target from each of these teams. So we are going to start with Manchester United. So Manchester United, as I said, have got the most fixtures to play in February. So they're playing Forest tonight, um, but then they face in February. They've got Crystal Palace at home, Leeds away. Um, sorry, Leeds at home and then Leeds away. So they've got a double header against Leeds. They've got Barcelona, Leicester, 
and then Barcelona at home. Then they face Brentford and West Ham. Um, and they've got that Carabao Cup final thrown in somewhere there. So the 26th. So there's not going to be much time between any of these games for Man United. Um, so there could be quite a risk of rotation. But these are all really important games. So I think the main players for the team are going to be pretty much playing most games. And then if they need to be rotated, I think these players might be rested for tail end of some games potentially. But we'll start with Marcus Rashford. Um, so he's been the standout performer for Man United so far this season. And since the World Cup, he's been absolutely on fire. So he's the third highest point scorer in the game now. He's got 18 goals and five assists, and he doesn't look like slowing down anytime soon. Um, he's actually rested for the game against um, Nottingham Forest tonight, I've seen. Um, but he is the best striker, in my opinion, to target alongside um, Erling Haaland. I think at the minute still, and I've been saying it for the last few episodes, I think, I think it's Haaland, Rashford, and then it has to be Kane, in my opinion, um, for the top three strikers. But I actually think Rashford's probably the second um, most informed striker behind Rashford, or arguably the most informed, but just Haaland cannot leave your team. So I think Rashford's the best one to target. You have to have him in your team for February. Um, but then Bruno Fernandes, I'm going to say after that. So Bruno Fernandes, um, there's been nine games since the World Cup and he only didn't get a rating in two of those nine games. And we were saying before the World Cup or just before the restart that he was getting a lot of seven ratings, but he'd not, he needed to start getting some goals and assists. Um, but now he's on six goals and six assists and he's had 21 ratings out of 30. So he's really shot up there now. Um, in the overall sort of leaderboard for the midfielders and he's averaging 3.9 points per game which isn't the highest but I think he started off a little bit less and now he's started to build up those points so I think Rashford and Bruno Fernandes are must-haves in your team if you can fit both of them players in for these eight fixtures um, I think you really are going to rack up the points. On to the fence I think Martinez is probably going to be the best option now um, so on the right hand side I've got um, just a clip from the Dream Team website. Uh, so Rashford and Bruno are the top two. Funnily enough, Dallo is still up there um, with 91 points as the third highest point scorer for Man United. So considering he's been out since the World Cup, it just goes to show how good he was doing before that. But I think Martinez, while Dallo's out, is the best option in that defence. He's gone up quite a lot in price now. So he's 4.4 million, which makes him quite a bit ahead of um, Luke Shaw and Wan-Bissaka, who probably are the other two best options. Um, but Martinez has got 5.8 as his last five average. Um, he was rested for that Reading game, um, but before that he played seven games in a row. So he's pretty much nailed in this Man United side. Um, he's a bit more expensive, but I think he's a really good option to have. Obviously worked with Ten Hag before at Ajax as well, so you know that he is a favourite with the manager. If you are struggling a bit for budget though, and Martinez at 4.4 is a bit too steep, I think Luke Shaw is another very good option. He missed the last game with illness, um, but he's available for tonight. Um, so he's a bit less money at 3.8 million, but I think he's got a bit more um, chance of getting attacking returns than Martinez. So you do have that upside for him. Um, there might be a bit more chance of rotation potentially with Malassia. I think Malassia looked pretty good. I think it was against Manchester City. Um, so there might be a little bit more rotation risk, but I still think Shaw is pretty nailed. So either Shaw or Martinez as your defenders, I don't think you can go, go wrong there. Um, and then 
if you still are looking for an even more budget pick from Man United, um, Wan Bissaka probably comes in um, maybe as the third best defender to choose. And I've actually got him myself in this um, in these teams that you're going to see in a minute. Just because Dallo's out at the minute, um, Wan Bissaka at right back. There isn't much of a rotation risk for Wan Bissaka at the moment while Dallo is out. But when Dallo comes back. Um, that's going to be a little bit of a worry for wan -Bissaka. It probably isn't going to mean that he's dropped straight away. And I can't imagine that Dallo comes in and plays every game in this run. Um, but there is that in the back of my mind. So I think wan is still a really good option to pick now. But you just have to have a uh, in your head that you might need to replace him with Dallo or someone else. One interesting thing that I did notice though about wan um, he's doing really, really well when it comes to seven ratings. So he's had four ratings from his last five games. And I actually think that comes from, it's not from the attacking side of things, it's from his like tackle completion. Um, so we obviously, we know that Wan-Bissaka is quite renowned for his sort of last ditch tackles. And I think these rate quite highly on Sun Dream Team. When I was doing a bit of a deep dive into why Kieran Trippier was um, scoring so well, Obviously, Kieran Tripp is a bit different because he's got the passing and he's got the crossing. But one thing I did notice in the games where Trippier got the star man, he was actually completing a lot of tackles and blocks. And I think this is working in wan favour when it comes to getting sort of these seven ratings. So that is one thing to look out for with wan Um I even think that I remember, I think it was when he was back at Crystal Palace, he was an option to have on Dream Team. And I think he was getting seven ratings quite a lot then. So, yeah, that's definitely something to consider. And then I'm going with Casemiro as an option. Now, I don't think he's... I'm, I've got him quite far down my list. This list's quite long with Manchester United just because pretty much there's a lot of players from Man United that are going to be good options in this run. But Casemiro's an interesting one because these defensive midfielders, they're not usually that good of an option um, when it comes to Dream Team. But we have seen quite a few of them doing well this season with like Hoiberg and Xhaka as well. But Casemiro's been really good and you can see he got 18 points this game week. Um, I think he got two goals against Reading um, and he's been really good. So he's got four goals and five assists um, so far this season. When you compare that to Bruno Fernandes, who's only on six goals, six assists, that's how good Casemiro's doing. Um, and in terms of ratings as well, he does really well. So he's got ratings in seven of his last 10 games. Um, one thing that I kind of want to keep an eye on with Casemiro, and maybe we'll see that uh, this weekend, but it's how will this Ericsson injury affect Casemiro? Um, Man United have just signed Sabitzer, um, so I'll have to see where he fits in the squad as well. But I did wonder whether, um, before they signed Sabitzer, if Ericsson would be replaced maybe by Casemiro and then... Um, a Fred or a McTominay comes in or whether Casemiro still will be the most deep lying midfielder it'd be just a bit interesting to see because it will upset the balance a little bit of that Man United team that was working quite well um, but I still think Casemiro will be a really good option regardless then last but not least um, David De Gea I think he's going to be the best option for February in goal and um, it's quite reasonably priced at four million um, and with eight fixtures He's pretty much going to play all of these. Um, I'm pretty sure he will play those Europa League fixtures. And although he isn't playing the game against Forest tonight, I'd have to think that if they get to a cup final, that they will play David De Gea. So I'm going to say that he's the best option to have in goal for February. If you're enjoying the video so far, please do leave a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're not already. And if you're listening on Spotify, please do give us a follow on there as well.
But we will move on to Manchester City next. Um, and I think that behind Man United, these are going to be the second best team to target. They have the seven fixtures, although they do have a couple tough ones there with Spurs away, Arsenal away. Um, and then the RB Leipzig game as well in the uh, Champions League is away from home as well. But Manchester City are still the one of the best teams in Europe, if not the best. Um, so I think it'd be silly not to have players in from this team in your team. So we're going to start with Riyad Mahrez actually first. Um, and I think he's been in such good form since the restart. He came in at 4.7 mil if you were to get him in your team um, straight after the World Cup. And now he's sitting at 6.1 million. So he's had a massive rise. Um, he's got 10 goals and 4 assists so far this season. And I just think there's some really nice fixtures there. And anyone that could usually compete with Riyad Mahrez isn't really on form at the minute. You've got Jack Grealish playing on the other side. But Phil Foden's been... He just hasn't been himself really. Um, even before the World Cup, to be honest. Um, he seemed like there was some sort of issue running into the World Cup. But since the World Cup, he's not been in favour as well. So Mares is pretty much nailed on that right-hand side at the minute. Of course, with Man City, there is always the chance of rotation. Um, but across those forward lines, I think Mares probably is at the least risk of being rotated. Um, and that first game against Tottenham, although that does look difficult on paper, that last time that Man, uh, Man City played against Tottenham, Riyad Mahrez got 19 points with two goals and an assist and the star man. So that could be another good fixture for Riyad Mahrez to perform in. I'm then going to say Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he's 47% owned, it says here. But on that FF Stuff website, which I mentioned before, you can see the percentage that they're owned in the top 100 and top 1,000. And Kevin De Bruyne is 86% owned in the top 100 and top 1,000. So that just goes to show that the top players, the top, top players are having Kevin De Bruyne in their side. Um, and I'm not going to argue with that. And I'm going to have him all through Fre uh, February. So Kevin De Bruyne, I'm going to put him up there. He's 7.2 million. So he is quite expensive. And I wouldn't say he's been at his best so far since the World Cup. Um, he's been fairly slow over the last six or seven games. But historically, he's been one of the most reliable players in dream team over the past few seasons so i'm going to keep him in my team throughout february he's on 17 assists and three goals for the season and i think once he starts chipping him with a few more goals he'll look a lot more appealing to own 5.2 average it's not the best but it's still pretty high so i think kevin de bruyne is one that you definitely have to consider for your side i'm not really going to waste any time mentioning this next one erling harland really he could have easily been at the top of this list, but I just think it's just an obvious one. For me, Haaland, you just got to put him in your team and leave him there unless he's injured. So I'm going to go Erling Haaland and then I've just no comment there. So Erling Haaland, get him in your team and just leave him there for February. This is where it gets a little bit difficult with Man City. So onto their defence. We've just seen them get rid of Cancelo. Um, apparently had a falling out with Pep Guardiola and now he's gone to Bayern Munich. Um, so... That's going to have a little bit of a knock-on with Man City, but they do still have a ton of options in that defence. But I think the real winner from this um, Cancelo moving on, Cancelo mostly plays at left-back for City, although he, he does play at right-back as well. But he was mostly playing at left-back, and Ake had been playing in, at left-back as well. So I think that Ake is probably the biggest winner for Cancelo going. 
Um, and the only real left-back options other than Ake now, because um, they haven't replaced him in the window, it's going to be either Gomez, who never really seems fancied by Pep Guardiola. He's played twice since the restart. Or you've got Laporte, who could fill in at left-back. I think he filled in um, in a previous game recently at left-back, but doesn't seem ideal. So I think Ake's probably going to be the biggest winner from this Cancelo move. Um, and, then Cancelo, uh, and then Ake got 18 points in the last game. He got the goal in the FA Cup against Arsenal. So he's going to get a rise going into this next lot of transfers. And I think he's probably the, the defender that I'm going to want to target from Man City at the moment. He's only 3.7 million as well. So quite, quite a nice price point there to get into that Man City defence. Then I'm going to go on to Rico Lewis, who is also another cheap option in that Man City defence at 2.9 million at the minute. I actually took him out of my um, out of my vlog team, I think it was just last week before the Arsenal game. I didn't expect him to play that Arsenal one, um, and it, of course he got the clean sheet as well. Um, I think indirectly he's a little bit more appealing with Cancelo gone, because obviously Cancelo could play it right back. Um, you also have got... Kyle Walker that plays there. I don't think Lewis is going to be nailed still because we've seen John Stones can sometimes play at right back, although he's injured now. I think he got injured in the Arsenal game. Um, and I think at times they even played a Kanji at right back. But I think at the moment, Lewis is in favour um, and he's going to be rotated with Walker most most often. So, But at 2.9 million and seven fixtures, I think there's a good chance that he features in the majority of these games so he could be another good option um, and then Akanji is probably going to be the other one to target so with Stones out Akanji probably seems like the most in favour centre back at the minute with Pep Guardiola but I would just keep an eye on Ruben Diaz um, so Ruben Diaz he hasn't really been playing since the World Cup he's been injured um, but I was quite impressed when I had a look at this or surprised rather when I look at this um, Man City top point scorers um, in defence, you've got Cancelo was the, the highest scoring defender with 99 points. And then Diaz is up there with 76. He's on the same amount of points as Ake, but he's barely played um, recently. So it just goes to show that sort of Cancelo and Diaz were racking up those points earlier on in the season. Um, Laporte's nowhere to be seen here. Um, and then Stones is a little bit lower down. And Akanji, surprisingly, considering how many games he's played, um, he's only down here on 58 points, which is just eight more points than Rico Lewis. Just something that really surprised me because Ake seemed like he was probably the most nailed um, defender for quite a big period of time here. So when choosing Ake, obviously he has been relatively nailed throughout the season so far. But with the, uh, Diaz and Laporte now coming back to fitness, I think there could be some rotation going on there. Maybe we'll see Laporte going on to that left-hand side though. Um, and then Edison, so the keeper, um, I think he's still a good option throughout this run. But in terms of volume and difficulty, I think that David De Gea probably looks like a better pick for now. Then on to the Arsenal then. So we've got five fixtures. Sorry, I say we as they're my team, but we have five fixtures in February. Everton away from home. I already mentioned I'm a little bit worried about that game with Sean Dyche. Um, but we have Brentford at home, Man City at home. Aston Villa away, and then Leicester away. Um, so just the five fixtures, a lot less than Man United and Manchester City, but the fixtures are fairly good apart from that Man City game. Um, so it does look like a good run for Arsenal. 
I'd probably say that Erdegaard would be the best one to target. Um, he's at a really nice price point with 3.6 million. Um, I think that's really reasonable. And he's just broke 100 points as well. So you've got, for Arsenal, you've got Gabriel, Erdegaard and Saka, who have all broke 100. Um, but Erdegaard's quite significantly cheaper than um, Saka at 3.6 million versus 4.3. And then Gabriel's at 4.4 as well. So I think for the for the price, Erdegaard's probably the best value in this Arsenal team. When it comes to comparing Erdegaard and Saka as well, um, Arsenal have just bought Trossard, who is going to really be providing um, competition all across the front line for Arsenal. I think Martinelli's most at risk, and Saka does seem like the main man who we won't rotate if we can help it. But when it comes to Erdegaard, the only real player that can sort of rotate with Erdegaard is um, Fabio Vieira. And I didn't think Fabio Vieira really looked very good against Manchester City. And he has been a little bit disappointing. He did shine in that game against Oxford. Um, but that's Oxford. It's a different level. So I think Erdegaard's probably the most nailed player in that Arsenal team at the minute from the attacking options. Then obviously Saka. Um, I said we won't really rotate him unless we can help it. But he did look a little bit tired recently in that Man City game. Um, he's on eight goals and eight assists. Uh, compare that to Erdegaard, who's on eight goals and five assists. So fairly similar. Um, Saka is on penalties. Um, the only thing that might jeopardise that is the Jorginho sign-in. But I don't imagine that Jorginho is going to start the majority of games. Um, but obviously he is a really good penalty taker. But I think... Personally, I'd, I'd just keep Saka on penalties, to be honest, for the time being, um, until he misses one, maybe. Um, but Saka and Erdegaard, I think it is a toss-up, really, which one you'd go for. Saka, probably, if they were the same price, I'd probably say Saka. But Erdegaard being at 3.6 million does seem a little bit more appealing. Then another player that I'm going to mention from the attackers, obviously, is Eddie Nketiah, who's really stepped up his game since he's had to take Jesus' place through injury. Um, he's been really good and he's got nine goals in total, seven goals in his last eight games. So he really has um, performed well when he's needed. And I do think that he is a good option to put in your team, maybe if you're really struggling for budget. Um, he isn't looking as much of a budget pick at 3.5 million now. Um, obviously, he was in the 2 million price point at one point when they first came into the team. The only problem I have now is that Eddie Nketiah is the same price as Erdegaard. And personally, I think that Erdegaard is a better pick at the minute in Dream Team. So I would really look to have, like I said, Rashford, Kane, Haaland up front. And then if I was going to try and get a bit of budget elsewhere, I'd go for Erdegaard rather than bringing Eddie Nketiah into the front line and then try and have a different midfielder. So I think Eddie is a really good option. But I just think there's better options out there. When it comes to the Arsenal defence, I can't really see past Gabriel at the minute. Um, so earlier on in the season, I thought Saliba looked like a good pick. It was kind of between Saliba and Gabriel. Um, with Gabriel being a little bit more expensive. Um, but both of them seem to be equally nailed. But looking at the points now, um, Gabriel's on 100 points and Saliba's on 69. Um, so there's quite a big gap opened up there. Gabriel... Seems to be getting a nod. If there's a midweek game that comes up, maybe in the FA Cup or um, the Europa League, it did seem like they rotated, but it was usually Gabriel that got given that fixture. So I think Gabriel's benefited from that and he has a bit more attacking for it as well, Gabriel. So at 4.4 million, I do think he's the better option. You've got Ben White, who's 
fairly close behind Gabriel when it comes to points. And so he's on 96 versus Gabriel's 101. I do think White is a good option, but now Tomiyasu's back fully fit and he has been looking good as well. I think that there's more rotation risk with Ben White than there is with Gabriel. Arsenal have just signed a um, new left-sided centre-back, so he could provide competition with Gabriel. But with the Premier League being the main objective for Arsenal, I don't think we're going to see any rotation for Gabriel in the Premier League. And it depends how late on into the Europa League we get, whether or not we see Gabriel or we ever see the new guy. I couldn't remember his name, but it's uh, Kivior. So personally, between Gabriel and White, I'd go Gabriel. But if you are looking for a cheaper option, um, you have got Saliba, who I mentioned, or you have Zinchenko, who's slightly cheaper. Um, Zinchenko, though, I would be a little bit careful. So Zinchenko's at 4.1 million, which is actually quite expensive, really. Um, and one thing that I saw is that Zinchenko um, has less points than Rob Holding at the minute. So Zinchenko's on 45 points and Rob Holding is on 49. It might be a little bit skewed because obviously there was the Europa League games and we kept quite a few clean sheets there. But just looking into the ratings, Zinchenko hasn't really got the rating points that regularly. Um, so I think I would still wait and see. And with Zinchenko, I thought that he might get sort of a few goals and assists throughout the season. But that position that he's sort of getting into isn't really um, an attacking position to put crosses in. It's more of an extra body in midfield. So I don't think that Zinchenko is a very good option at the minute in defence. Just to summarise that one, I think that probably going forward, it's either Erdegaard or Saka as the main options that I'd want to target from Arsenal. Or in, in defence, sorry, I'd really try and go with Gabriel if he had the budget. If he didn't, I probably wouldn't go for Ben White. I'd just take the step down and go for Saliba at 3.5. Just because Ben White at 4.8 doesn't really feel like very good value to me. Then coming on to Spurs then. So Spurs have one extra game um, than Arsenal. So they start off with Man City at home. Obviously, they didn't do very well against Man City in the last fixture. But Spurs, on the counter-attack, they have had some success against teams like Man City before. Um, so Harry Kane could be a good option there, or Son potentially. Um, they face Leicester next, then they have AC Milan, which I mentioned AC Milan because they lost their last three games and they haven't won a game in their last six. So AC Milan aren't doing very well at the minute. Obviously we've got, what, two weeks until that game, so things could change. But at the moment AC Milan haven't been very good, so that could look quite promising for Spurs. Um, after AC Milan game, they've got West Ham at home. And they've got Chelsea at home. So two London derbies. They could be tough games. Um, but players like Harry Kane can score in all of these fixtures. Um, Harry Kane is the fourth highest scoring player on the game. He's got 18 goals, four assists. And he's sat on 158 points now. So he's still having a really, really good season. Um, I think the, the sort of uh, form of Rashford at the minute. And obviously Haaland just being incredible. It's kind of taken a bit of the shine off of Kane so far as a dream team asset, but he has still been having a really good season. He's a big game player as well, so I think that Harry Kane is a perfectly good pick for this run in February. Um, you have got Son. Before the FA Cup game, you wouldn't really have considered him. He got two goals in that last one, so he might pick up a little bit of form, but he still is only on eight goals and three assists. So I think it is a probably a brave move or... Um, or a differential if you're going to bring Son into your team. But I think I'd keep an eye on him, put him on your watch list, because 
yeah, once once he starts hitting his usual form, he could be a very good option, like he has been in previous seasons. I'm still not convinced by Spurs' defence, um, so I'm not going to include any Spurs defenders in the team. The third person that I'm going to put down is Kulisevsky. Um, I'm not sure on Richarlison at minute whether he's back fit. Um, he was missing recently for that FA Cup game through injury. Um, Kulisevsky, he does look dangerous, but I kind of convinced myself out of him being an option while writing this. Um, so he looks really dangerous while he's playing. Um, he has got potential to get attacking returns. But the only problem with Kulisevsky at the minute is 3.7 million, which makes him more expensive than Erdegaard. And in my opinion, Erdegaard, this isn't even my Arsenal bias, Erdegaard has been far clear of Kulisevsky in Dream Team this season. Um, so at the minute, 3.7 million. I'd keep an eye on Kulisevsky, but I do think there's better options there for that price. The one player that I would look at um, in that Spurs defence, and obviously it's one to watch, I don't think he's even been put in the game yet, but their new signing Pedro Porro, um, he's got two goals and seven assists so far for Sporting this season. Um, so he's their new signing, and you can see that he's got good attacking returns so far for them. So he could be one to watch. Um, Doherty's just had a strange move um, from Spurs. He, I think he's gone on loan now to uh, Atletico Madrid. So hoping to be the next Kieran Trippier potentially. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on him in future seasons. But with Doherty out, I think that just leaves um, on the right-hand side, that leaves Emerson Royale and Porro fighting out on that right uh, right wing spot so he could be one to watch obviously not at the moment but with those attacking returns he could be one to watch in the future then on to Chelsea so they've got five fixtures they've got Fulham at home West Ham away they've got Dortmund away in the Champions League they face Southampton at home and then they have Tottenham away from home so they've got three of the London clubs in that run but it does look like a good run of games Fulham West Ham Southampton are all winnable games for Chelsea Borussia Dortmund away seems like it could be a tough game and then Tottenham away um, that game's always quite a tough one as well but yeah I think this could be a good run for Chelsea um, they've obviously signed a lot of players so I don't think we can really be too sure on what the lineup's going to look like and that's why I'm going to say Kepa is probably the best player to target in my opinion um, he's the cheapest European um, playing goalkeeper so he's 3.4 million and I was actually looking through the stats and I mean, he's got more points at the minute than Edison so far. Um, so I think that's a fairly good option. Obviously, Ed Edison is 4.5 million. Kepper is 3.4. And Kepper's not that far behind Alisson De Gea, who are quite significantly more expensive at 4 million. So I think Kepper could be quite a good option in goal. Maybe if you want to save a bit of budget. And what I like about Kepper as an option, that, that defence of Chelsea is so hard to predict in a minute with so many different options. Kepper is probably the only one that you can rely on to play every week and then get you those clean sheet points when they come. So I'm going to say Kepper is the first option. I'm not going to recommend this player coming straight into your team, but I would like to keep an eye on Mason Mount potentially. Mount's 3.6 million, and so that puts him in a similar position to like Kulisevsky and Erdegaard. So for now, I still think Erdegaard's a much better pick, but... If Chelsea can pick up some form, I do think Mount's one of those players that was quite in favour with Potter. So he could still be a good player to pick. And at 3.6 million, you could still probably get on him at a good price if he does start to find some form like we've seen in previous seasons. But for now, he's one to watch, not one to bring in straight away. Um, another thing to keep an eye on is Jao Felix. Obviously, he did look really good in that game before he got sent off. He's back from suspension on February the 11th. 
Um, so that would see him potentially playing in that West Ham fixture, but missing the Fulham game. So they have a run there where they have um, some midweek fixtures as well. So they've got West Ham, Dortmund and Southampton. They expect him to be at least involved in two of those games. They have just added um, Mudrick to their squad. He's 3.4 million. Um, he did look promising against Liverpool when he come on, but I still don't think we've seen enough from him to, to warrant putting him in your team yet. But if he, if he plays that Fulham game, for example, and looks like he's um, quite dangerous, maybe gets an attacking return, I would keep an eye and potentially consider him for that West Ham, um, Dortmund, Southampton run of games. The last player that I'm really going to mention from Chelsea is Thiago Silva. He's the sixth highest scoring defender in the game so far. Um, he's pretty much just behind the Newcastle block and Gabriel, but at 5.8 million, I think that's far too expensive. And the Chelsea defence hasn't really proved that they can be that reliable at the minute. So for that price point, you want a team that's looking really defensively strong. So I wouldn't go near Thiago Silva unless we do start seeing Chelsea um, get a string of clean sheets together. But by that point, he might even be high into the sixes. So... For the moment, I'm not going to go with Thiago Silva, but he is having a good season. One other person to watch could be Reese James. He's back in training, and he is someone that, if he's playing, he's 5.8 million now, the same as Thiago Silva. And I don't really mind um, paying that sort of 5.8 million for a player like James, who can get goals and assists quite regularly. But the problem with James is keeping fit at the moment. Then on to the struggling Liverpool. Um, so for the moment... This is a team that I'm going to want to avoid. And you wouldn't have thought this at the start of the season. But they've got five fixtures in February. Wolves, Everton, Newcastle, Real Madrid and Crystal Palace. Now that does look like a good run of fixtures. But like I said, they've struggled previously. So Wolves caused them problems. Um, you've got Everton at home, which they should be winning that one. But it's going to be tough. And then Newcastle is a much more difficult game than it used to be. Real Madrid, I can't see them beating Real Madrid. It's a home game and at Anfield, Liverpool can always turn it on, of course. But Real Madrid have to be the favourites, I think, in that on current form. And then they play Crystal Palace. So for me, I'm going to be avoiding these players, in all honesty. Um, Liverpool did look like they kind of sorted their defence out a little bit. They, I think they got a clean sheet against Wolves in the Cup. Then they got that clean sheet against Chelsea, which was a really dull game. Uh, so it did look like they were sort of getting their act together. But then they weren't good against Brighton in that last fixture. They looked a bit troubled without Virgil van Dijk at the back. Um, they looked a bit troubled with him at the back as well, to be honest, at times. But yeah, I wouldn't be going near any of their defenders at the minute. Salah isn't really doing it. So obviously he's got high potential, um, but he's only got 10 points from his last five games. He got a lot of blanks recently. And for eight million plus... I think just Kane, Haaland and Rashford are all better options at the minute. So I think I'm going to wait until Salah seems to hit a bit more form and maybe they look a little bit more steady up front. They keep chopping and changing. They've brought Gakpo in and he hasn't looked good at all. He's blanked in all five games that he's played. And then Darwin Nunes, um, he, he's dangerous, but yeah, they just don't look like a fully functioning um, team up front at the minute. So Salah I'd avoid personally, but... If he does turn it back on, you would consider bringing him back in. Darwin Nunes, again, I don't think those striker options are to be messed with at the minute. I think Rashford, Haaland, Kane, 
Elliot though, um, Harvey Elliot, I think that he could be a fairly good option if you're looking for a budget pick at the minute. So 2.4 million, and he's been the bright spark over the last few games from Liverpool. He's got two goals in his last three games. So we're going to highlight Elliot as kind of a budget pick, maybe. Um, Gakpo mentioned he's been pretty poor since he come in. I don't blame him. He's come into a Liverpool team that just isn't functioning right now. Um, the only thing, the only thing that I might mention is that Real Madrid game. Um, Virgil van Dijk, that, I think that's a target for him to be back for. And potentially Jota as well. So I think avoid Liverpool for this run um, unless we see something significant. But after that first Real Madrid game, when they get Virgil van Dijk back and Jota, it might be that we start to consider Liverpool players then. So towards the end of February or maybe going into March. But for the time being, I'm going to avoid them. Then on to Newcastle then. So Newcastle have obviously been brilliant this season. Um, they're right up there challenging in the league. Um, challenging for those European places really at the moment. Um, Kieran Trippier has been the best player so far by far. Um, he's on 184 points now, which is ridiculous. Um, but the problem with Newcastle now is they have four fixtures. So they've been a really good team to have. The Newcastle block has been smashing it. But now they're in a situation where they almost play in half as many games as the likes of Man United and Man City. Um, so just the four fixtures. They've got West Ham at home and Bournemouth away, which on paper, they still look like really good fixtures. So although they only play once a week, I don't think I'd be in a rush to get rid of Newcastle players, potentially. Um, I think you could keep with them for those two fixtures and hope for the clean sheet points. But then they face Liverpool at home and then Brighton at home, which are two tougher games. Obviously, I've just been slagging Liverpool off, um, but they can always hurt any team. So that could be a tough game. And then Brighton thinks a tough game at the moment as well. And then, as I mentioned, Newcastle face Manchester City after that. So it's a tough run of games for Newcastle after the midway point in February. And they are only playing four games. Um, they will have that FA Cup game thrown in as well, actually. So there's, there's an extra one there. But yeah, it's not looking ideal for having Newcastle players in February. I think they'll perform just fine. But... Could your money be spent better elsewhere with the likes of City and Man United? I think so. So when it comes to their defence, obviously Kieran Tripp has been miles ahead. He's up there with 6.6 .6 million. He's getting five points per game. Um, sorry, he's getting 6.8 points per game. And he's on 184 points. So he's been brilliant. Um, it's about 50 points clear of the nearest defender as well. So for me, I'm looking to keep Kieran Trippier and just keep him in my team. Trippier is really the only sort of premium defender um, that is getting regular attacking returns, star mans, ratings. So I think I'm going to stick with Trippier for the month of February and probably from now on, really, unless anything bad happens. Um, but I will be looking to move on some of those other Newcastle defenders, probably either at the midpoint where they face Liverpool or even a little bit earlier. Um, so Kieran Trippier is a hold, but I think we can probably move on the likes of Cher, Byrne and Botman either in the middle, or if you want to get a little bit ahead, you could do it earlier. But I do think West Ham and Bournemouth look like good games. Newcastle have just signed Anthony Gordon for one point for 1.9 million. That's his dream team price. It was a lot more than that. Um, they've just signed Anthony Gordon, and he's 1.9 million on dream team. Um, I'll be keeping an eye on him. I'm not too sure where he'll fit in. So that's really what we want to know first. You've got Almiron, who's been playing on the right. Obviously, you've got Wilson and Isaku who can play through the middle. 
and maybe we'll see Gordon on the left where um, Joe Linton's been playing and Joe Linton goes back into midfield potentially but at that price he has got the um, potential of being a budget pick but I don't think I'd go near it for the time being it's just one to watch then Almiron though he's been a player that's been really popular throughout Dream Team and he's had a really good season but he has just started to tail off a little bit now with his attacking returns um, he got an assist this week um, he's the 8th highest midfielder in the game as well, so 9 goals, 2 assists. But yeah, like I said, he has slowed down now. His last 5 average is 1.6, so obviously his points returns have really dropped. Um, but with West Ham at home and Bournemouth away, I could see the temptation to hold on to him for a little bit longer. I don't think that I will be holding on to him. I definitely wouldn't be bringing him in. If you already have him, you could keep him for West Ham and Bournemouth. But I do think you could maybe use that money to bring in a Man United defender or even upgrade to having like a midfielder potentially in um, an Erdegaard, for example. It's, it's one to look at. Um, I wouldn't blame you for holding him for those next two fixtures, but I definitely think I'd be looking to move Almiron on from that Liverpool-Brighton point. Then coming to Brighton then, um, they've been a really fun team this season. So they've got five games in February. Bournemouth at home, Crystal Palace away, Fulham at home, Newcastle away, and then they have Stoke in the FA Cup. So that is a really good run of fixtures, actually, a brilliant run of fixtures. The only downside for them is that they are really only playing one game a week. Um, so comparing those to the likes of Man United, um, City, and the other teams that have got European football, it's a little bit off-putting, but the only good part about that is you haven't got to worry about rotation. Um, so you've got Matoma, who I think is the best option, and you've probably seen me celebrating him uh, every week. He's 2.8 million. Um, he was 1.8 million back when he scored against Arsenal. Um, that was the second game back from the World Cup. He's gone up now to 2.8, so he's gained a whole million um, since then. And he's on six goals to assist for the season and he's been in such good form. He's playing with such confidence. Um, and I'm surprised to see that he's only 1% owned. So a massive, massive differential. Um, he's less of a rotation risk now because Trossard's gone. Um, he wasn't even really getting that rotated that much when Trossard was there because he was a little bit out of favour. But that is just another player out of the way that could potentially play in that position. I'm toying with whether or not I keep him. He's a really fun player to have, and this run of fixtures is good. I'm just a little bit debating whether or not I could use the, the extra budget elsewhere um, now he has increased in price, but I'll keep an eye on it. I really don't want to get rid of him because he's exciting, and these fixtures are really good. Um, but if you are looking for a budget pick, he's a really, really good option. Solly March is 2.8 million also. Um, so another really good pick, really. Um, I personally think Matoma is a better option from the eye test, but March has hit some really big numbers recently too. Um, so he could be a really good option. And then March plays on that right-hand side. Um, Matoma's been getting the assists and doing a lot from the left. And he put one right on the plate for, uh, for March the other day, which he missed. And you've got Esther Pinion on the left, also putting in really good crosses. So if you're, if you're a believer these crosses coming from the left and March is getting on the end of them on the right, that could be a good option there, potentially benefiting him. But I do think I would go for Matoma over March at this point. 
Talking of Est opinion though, um, I was disappointed because I had him earlier in the season. I liked him at the World Cup. I thought he was a really good option, but he didn't really do it for the next couple of games and Brighton hadn't been keeping clean sheets. But since then, Est opinion has been on really good form. Even in the games where Brighton haven't been getting clean sheets, he's been getting assist points and rating points. So he's on six assists so far from the season and he's had four assists in his last four. So I do think as a budget pick, Est opinion could be another good one. 2.1 million is very cheap for him. Um, probably the best value pick you could get if you're looking for a cheap defender. Um, but just Brighton's defence has been a little bit concerning for clean sheets. They obviously did keep one um, fairly recently. But Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, Fulham. They look like games where you could potentially get clean sheet points. Stoke in the FA Cup. It depends what sort of team they put out. Um, I think that Newcastle game probably will be the toughest of the bunch. But yeah, if you really are struggling for budget, I think that that could be a good player to have in your team. And it's always an exciting one to watch as well. Now I'm just going to feature Leeds, West Ham and Southampton. I think these are probably sort of best of the rest. Most of the teams are on four, but these teams have got, well, Leeds have got six fixtures. West Ham have got five and Southampton have got five. I don't think I'd be very confident in picking any of these teams myself, but they have got slightly more fixtures. Um, so Leeds six is Forest. Man United with a double header there. So Forest, Man United, Man United. Everton away, Southampton at home, and then the to-be-confirmed FA Cup game. So six fixtures for them. I wouldn't feel that confident in choosing them myself. Um, but if you were going to go for a Leeds player, you've got Rodrigo is quite clear for points um, in that Leeds lineup. So he takes the penalties as well. I know Bamford used to take penalties, I think, for Leeds, but Rodrigo has been taking them. So I think he's a fairly good option. I wouldn't go there myself, but if you really uh, fancied the punt. And then Bamford has just come back from injury as well, and he got two assists and the star man in the last game. So we could start seeing Bamford coming back into the starting lineup. But again, this is a punt. I won't be going there myself. Um, it's just if you have the appetite for that sort of that sort of gamble. Um, then West Ham. So West Ham haven't been great this season, but their fixtures don't look terrible. Um, Bowen, 3.5 million. Um, he scored 18 points and 13 points in his last two games. So he's really hit some form. Three goals and two star mans in that time as well. So if you're going to pick any player from West Ham, I think it has to be Bowen at 3.5. But again, he's at that sort of challenging price point where sort of clashes with the likes of Erdegaard so it is still going to be a bit of a risk. Newcastle, Chelsea, Tottenham, I've actually convinced myself these aren't good fixtures at all to be honest. Newcastle, Chelsea, Tottenham all look like pretty tough games. They've got Forest at home which is a fairly okay one. Then they've got Man United away so actually five fixtures for West Ham but they're not great fixtures. Bowen could still be effective on the counter-attack, but again, I won't be going there. And then the last of them, Southampton, they've got five fixtures. They've got Brentford away, Wolves at home, Chelsea away, Leeds away, and then that FA Cup fixture to be confirmed. Um, Adams is the top point scorer for Southampton. I don't think I've been convinced by him, to be honest. He got another goal against Newcastle, though. Um, but again, those striker spots are a no-go, in my opinion. Um, but James Ward-Prowse, though, um, he's probably the only viable option, I think. 4.1 million is a little bit pricey, but he does take all the penalties. He scores free kicks like every other week. 
Um, he takes all set pieces. So he is a good option. He's got seven goals, two assists. And he is playing a more advanced position under the new manager. More like a number 10. So he could be one to consider. But it doesn't come cheap at 4.1. Right, now on to my team updates then. So this is my vlog team. Um, I've got 21 points for the game week. Although I have some Man United players that are playing tonight. Um, so 21 points for the game week. I've got David De Gea in goal. There is that Forest game. But he isn't starting it, so I can't imagine he's going to come off the bench. So no points for De Gea, which is a shame. He's probably going to get a price decrease now. Uh, Kieran Trippier I've got, got me five points. He got the assist. They didn't get a clean sheet in that one, but that just goes to show why Trippier is another good option. Fabian Scher got me no points. Wan-Bissaka is playing tonight, um, and I think it's currently a draw when I last looked. So could potentially get some clean sheet points there. Bruno Fernandes on five. He's playing this evening. Got Matoma in midfield. Got me eight points. He's been brilliant so far. I had blanks from Kevin De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez, which was disappointing. I've got Rashford up front, who got me three points. Harry Kane didn't play in that FA Cup fixture, which was quite disappointing against Preston. Um, I think he was ill for that one. And then Erling Haaland with no points against Arsenal. He had Rob Holding pocketing him in the first half and then Saliba in the second. Um, the one the one time that I wouldn't mind seeing Haaland get kept quiet is against Arsenal. But this is my team so far. So 21 points for the game week. Hopefully a few more after Man United. The total points is 1,380. And the overall rank for this team is 2.9k. Um, so I'm fairly pleased with how this one's been going. I'm aiming for 1k overall. Um as my sort of season target. If I can get under that, um, obviously I might try to reevaluate, but 2.9 at the moment. And then I have three transfers left out of five for this team. And obviously I either use them or lose them um, for the deadline on Friday. So it's a weird position to be in actually. Since the World Cup, well before the World Cup, I've been one of these managers that have been using their transfers early and then running out by the end of the month. So, but since the World Cup, yeah, I've been in a fairly good position where I haven't needed to make transfers that much. So three out of five is still a lot to have. Team value here is 63.5 million and I have 0.2 in the bank. So looking at my team at the minute, um, this is kind of some rough plans on what I might look to do. So looking at my forward line, Rashford, Kane, Haaland, I'm completely happy with how they're lined up and I'm happy with their fixtures going forward. So I think I'm going to keep that um, forward line the same. I actually quite like my midfield too at the moment. Bruno Fernandes, he's been doing really well. They've got a lot of fixtures coming up. Matoma, the fixtures are not the fixtures are good for the following month, but there isn't that many of them. But he has been in really good form and he isn't a rotation risk. So I think I'm probably going to keep Matoma. Then I have De Bruyne and Mares who have good fixtures they didn't get points in the last game week but i'm gonna want these guys for february so that midfield and strike force i do quite like when i look at the defense though kieran trippier obviously i'm i've said before that i'm looking to keep him for the remainder of the season if he doesn't get injured um fabian share though i know newcastle have two good fixtures but probably he's looking like the weakest link now out of this team in my opinion obviously matoma is limited um, he is a budget pick, but Fabian Scher, he has the two good fixtures and then they do turn a little bit for Newcastle. So he might be someone that I look to move on. Wanda Saka, I'm happy to keep and De Gea, I'm happy to keep. 
um, for Man United's good run of fixtures and their volume of fixtures. The only time I might look to move Wan-Bissaka out is, like I said, when Dallow comes back. So this leaves me in a bit of a sticky situation because I've got three transfers left and not many changes that I'm going to want to make. Um, so the only ideas that I've sort of come up with, if I do want to try and use those fixtures to set me up better for February, could be um, Fabian Scher. Could I move him out maybe towards another Man United um, defender? I've got De Gea in goal and I've got one Bissaka, but Man United sort of play two games a week now for the whole of February, um, whereas Newcastle's dropped to four fixtures for that month. So could I move potentially Fabian Scher to either Martinez at 4.4 or Luke Shaw at 3.8? That's probably what I'm going to do before the end of this window. When looking at other things that I might want to do for February, um, obviously I'm, I'm probably going to keep an eye on bringing in a Man City um, defender for that sort of run where they start playing two games a week um, in the Champions League. So I probably want to keep an eye on Ake maybe, but where do I get him in is the problem. So I'm going to want an extra Man United potentially into the share. Ake, that only really leaves me bringing in Ake for maybe Matoma. Um, but Matoma's been in such good form lately, I'm not sure if I'm going to want to take him out. So that's the dilemma I'm having at the minute. That's going to be my main decision. Do I just take out Fabian Scher, Ake straight up, or a Manchester United defender? I think it more, makes more sense to be a Manchester United defender in Luke Shaw, potentially, or Martinez. But then do I just burn two transfers, or do I move out Matoma? But Matoma's going to get a price increase, and his fixtures are good. I could take him out for someone that's potentially going to play more games, but... He has been brilliant. So I'm looking now at potentially just doing Fabian share to a Man United defender and then maybe burning the extra two transfers, which feels disappointing, but do I use them for the sake of it? Let me know in the comments below what you think. Matoma, should he stay or should he go? Do I stick with my man? Then on to my second team then. So this one got me 23 points for the game week. I've got David De Gea in goal. I've kept Rico Lewis in this one, so I've got a Man City defender compared to the other time, uh, the other team. Uh, so he got me five points. Kieran Trippier got me the five, and Fabian Scher blanked. Kevin De Bruyne and Mares, I've got both of those in this team too. They both blanked, and then I've got Almiron in this team. So yeah, I kept the faith with Almiron in this side, and he got me five points. Bruno Fernandez got me five, and then I've got the same front three: Haaland, Kane, Rashford. I did have Salah. Um, I took him out for Kane and then Salah ended up getting that assist, I think it was. So I would have been better off just to leave it, but I think Kane's going to be better for February. So Haaland, Kane and Rashford got me the three points up front. So this team's on 1,354 and the overall rank for this one is 5.3k. Um, transfers remaining, I only have one for this team. And then the team value is 63.6 million and I have a whole 1 million in the bank. Um, so... Obviously, with one transfer left, I'm a bit more limited with what I do with my remaining transfers for this team. Um, the obvious one, I think, to do, I want to keep Rico Lewis in there in this team, just to have that City coverage. And then I'm just deciding what to do with Almoron. I think Almoron's the guy I want out. Um, it would be between Almoron and Cher, and I think Cher's got good potential to get um, clean sheets in those next couple, whereas Almoron's been a little bit hit and miss lately. So I'm thinking... Almiron out for an extra um, Man United defender who's got the extra fixture. Um, so that could be Shaw or it could be Martinez potentially. I think Shaw is um, a bit better for price. 
Um, and then I think I will look to move share on in the middle of next month. And I think that potentially would be for Ake. I could have a double up for Manchester City and a double up for Manchester United with the good fixture volume. The only other real issue I'm having with um, this team and the previous team is I don't have any Arsenal coverage. Um, I'd like to get Erdegaard in there somewhere, but as they're set up at the minute, I quite like them. So I think it's just going to be a case of I go into February with how they are lined up after I make the changes I've mentioned. And then I just wait and see if there's any dips in form, if there's any injuries, and that might open up an opportunity for me to bring in either an Erdegaard or a Saka. I don't think I'm going to go for the Arsenal defence yet. Um, and I won't be changing that front three unless anything drastic happens. So I think it'll be Erdegaard and Saka that I'll keep an eye on. But at the moment, I don't quite see the opportunity to bring either one of them in. That is everything for this episode. So thank you very much for watching. And if you've enjoyed it, please do like and subscribe to the channel for more Sundream Team content. And of course, if you have any questions or uh, want my opinion on any of your transfer moves, feel free to comment below and I'll do my best to answer those questions. But until then, I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for watching. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.